Hey, this is Joel Kamm, New York Times bestselling author, and you're listening to the Marketing Book Podcast with Doug. He's a good guy. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast. My goal in this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's working in modern marketing. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything discussed in the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. Today I'm joined by Joel Kamm, and we're going to talk about the new book he has co-authored with David Taylor, Twitter Power 3.0, How to Dominate Your Market One Tweet at a Time. Joel Kamm is an entrepreneur, best-selling author, and new media innovator. In addition to Twitter power, he's the author of The AdSense Code, What Google Never Told You About Making Money with AdSense, which was a New York Times and Business Week bestseller. He's also the author of Click Here to Order, Stories of the World's Most Successful Internet Entrepreneurs. Joel is a much sought-after public speaker and is often quoted in the news media. Joel, congratulations on Twitter Power 3.0, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Well, thank you, Doug, and thank you again. It's a pleasure to be here and to speak with you. Finally, we get to talk. Yes, yes. I've really been looking forward to this, and I uh, let me, I just have to confess something here to you about, about this book. I, I've been on Twitter for a few years, and I've got you know, thousands of followers, although not like 87,000 like you do today. And so I've been very active and I use some Twitter tools. And honestly, I, I, I thought it was going to be a really quick read for me. I, th- I didn't think I was going to learn a lot. I was wrong. <laughs> it's got all the how-to, okay? But you seem to have snuck in a whole lot of marketing strategy and psychology that I wasn't ready for. And I don't know if that was your intent or not. Well, I'm, you know, I'm a marketer uh, by trade, really, as a creative person and an entrepreneur. We're, we're, we're marketers and we're storytellers. And so the key to using Twitter and really any social platform uh, well is to master the art of engaging people in compelling stories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I meant to do that to you. In fact, uh, I knew when you bought the book, I was like, he doesn't see it coming, but we're going to do an end around here and bam. It worked. It worked. Um, well, let's go back for just a second to set a little bit of the stage. And that's uh, where you talk about this, this publishing revolution that we're smack dab in the middle of. Can you look, give the listener just a little bit of a background to help them remember where we are? Well, you know, at the time of this conversation, we're in 2015 and the world has changed so much. You know, it's uh, 20 years ago, I built my first website. And, uh, you know, the, the advent of the World Wide Web heralded a, um, a new generation of uh, really the new media, right, of bloggers and of people sharing information and ideas that all of a sudden were accessible to anybody. You know, it used to be you had to have a TV program or a radio program or a paper or a magazine in order to reach the masses. Mm-hmm. But with the, the web, we could reach anybody around the world. And the, the better your content, the more other people would share it and talk about it, the more traffic and exposure you have. Well, social media has taken that and really put it on steroids because the uh, the social sites, Twitter and Facebook, are really the water cooler of our time. And it's where, you know, well over a billion people go 
for their daily fix of news and engagement and brands. And it's, it's the publishing revolution is that we are now all on somewhat of a level playing field where we all start with zero followers and we have an opportunity to share a message that is important to us, whatever it might be, whether it's educational or inspirational or entertaining, whatever it is. And based on the quality of the content that we put out there, we have the opportunity to grow an audience. And uh, we've seen that happen with social media. We've seen now that, you know, now we have YouTube stars, we have Instagram stars, we have Twitter stars. There's people that have built their following on the social sites. Podcasting stars. Podcasting stars, absolutely. And, and and there, there's a transition that's taking place there too. Doug is that you know uh, terrestrial radio is doesn't have the power it used to have, and we've got satellite radio, and then we've got new media forms of broadcasting and creating content, such as podcasting. And you know, my prediction is that what we're going to see is that popular podcasts will start being picked up by radio stations. And because it'll be more cost effective for them to take existing programs and syndicate them on the radio. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everything's changing and it's a good thing. Change is good. And the internet enabled cars apparently is going to have a major impact. I mean, podcasting's big now, but all the predictions, you know, from Edison Research and the others are that it's going to get even bigger once it's as pervasive in new cars as satellite radio was. 10 years ago. Absolutely. I don't think we've not seen anything yet. Podcasting, we could say it's gotten big, but compared to where it's going, it's the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. Now, I like marketing secrets. The listener likes them. Everyone does. And the, one of the things that really, you know, the hook was in my mouth, uh, just a few pages into your book, where you talked about the this high-level philosophical approach to Twitter and social media that many of the biggest brands have yet to understand. Right. Can you, can you explain uh, a bit about that? Yeah, I can share the secret. Sure. Why not? It's uh, it's not a secret anymore because I've been talking about it now for, you know, several years Mm -hmm. and and the latest edition of Twitter power 3.0 has my current thought thinking uh, on the subject matter. But, you know, look, it used to be that uh, in order to get attention, you would buy, you would create a commercial, <clears throat> whether it was video or or just audio. And you'd buy airtime, or you'd buy a magazine ad, and you would just shout the news about your product, and you would do it in a repetitive fashion, because the more you did it, the more likely people would be able to remember you to a somewhat so, captive audience, right? Because that was the only place they could go to get their their programming was TV, radio, or or in their paper or magazine. Well, now with social media, because of the community features of the social sites that make them truly social, it's more about engaging your audience in a conversation, in a discussion, in a dialogue about what's important to them. It's not about setting up your soapbox in the middle of town square and grabbing the biggest megaphone and saying, buy my stuff. (laughs) That doesn't work. That worked in old media forms to some degree, but it doesn't work in new media. People are offended by that. They're put off by that. It's like the uh, the vacuum cleaner salesman knocking on your door at six o'clock at night when dinner's on the table and the kids are screaming and, and you know you just got home from work and you don't want to be bothered 
with marketing messages then. Social, the social approach for brands is the like me, know me, trust me, pay me approach. And on social media, we'll use Twitter as an example, when we like somebody, we follow them. As we follow their tweets and we see what they're all about, we get to know them better. And it's a knowing the content that they're sharing, whether or not there's value, whether or not they're engaging with, with us, the customers, uh, whether or not they're asking questions, answering questions, sharing other people's content, all that leads us to decide whether or not we're going to trust that brand and the people behind that brand. If done successfully, like, no trust or built properly, it's a really short step to a transaction where people will buy something from you. The, the old school methods of pressuring and just hammering it into people to get them to buy things, that's a thing of the past. Like me, know me, trust me, then pay me. And the majority of the time that brands could should spend on social media on the pay me portion should be very small, five to 10%. The rest of the, the posts that they share, the content that they put out there, and the engagement that takes place should really center around building like, know, and trust. Mm -hmm. That's the secret. And it's not rocket science. And when you think about it, from you know, uh, it makes perfect sense. Again, take that, that you know, salesman knocking on your door. It's 6 o'clock at night. What do you mean somebody's knocking on my door while I'm preparing dinner? I don't like that. So mm -hmm. right there from the beginning, there's no like. You don't know who the person is and you don't even want to open the door to find out because now you're going to be subject to a pitch and you've got to tell them you're not interested and you definitely don't trust them because they don't have the good sense to set an appointment to find out if you're even interested. So there's not going to be a transaction. It's backwards. Uh, and yet, because social media has equipped businesses and individuals with some powerful tools uh, many have erroneously taken those tools and used them in a heavy-handed way. It's, it's like saying, here, we're going to put this hammer in your hand, but there's nothing to nail. But just go ahead and start beating on things. <laughs> yeah, it kind of brings to mind uh, the notion of maybe 100 years ago, somebody bought a car, and then they hitched it up to a horse to pull the, uh, to pull the car. Exactly. Doesn't make any sense. It's backwards. And so, you know, this is why I dedicated a, a, a sizable portion to the beginning of that chapter to bring this home. It's almost like, all right, you've got your Twitter account set up. This is how you create a nice profile. This is how you select a username. This is how Twitter is uh, used functionally. But wait, before you move forward, please understand this core philosophy of Twitter and of all social media and really of all good marketing. This is how to operate successfully in the 21st century. Now let's talk about particular specific strategies, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's why the book flows in that way. And I think that's one of the things that really uh, probably took you by surprise and a lot of others, that it's not just this how-to book, but there's also a why too, which quite, I think is quite a bit of the book. Yeah, it happens to have Twitter on the cover, and and you do go into some detail about exactly you know for the first time Twitter user, but then a lot of it. I mean, you talk about blogging and branding and and all kinds of things like that. One of the things you talked about that was interesting, and I had uh, I hadn't thought of it this way, but you talked about getting in with the expert crowd. Can you explain what that is as it relates to Twitter? Well, uh, you know, and I, I like to expand 
what I share beyond just the scope of Twitter. Because even though the book is called Twitter Power, it's really a great primer for um, uh, using all social media. Maybe not in the very specific strategies as they apply to that site, the 140 characters and the actual functionality. But in terms of understanding, I could easily take much of what we taught in Twitter Power and pull out the specific Twitter examples, put Facebook examples in there and call it Facebook Power. Exactly, exactly, right? yes. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> very, now now very, we're on to you, Joel Com. <laughs> very interchangeable. Right. Yeah, no, if your next book a, is about Facebook, we're going to know. Uh, yeah, well, I, I could actually do that because I think these days I actually spend um, at least as much time on Facebook as I do on Twitter because mm-hmm. it is very powerful. But uh, so the expert crowd, you know, we're all – experts at our stuff. Ideally, there's something that we're all really good at, that we're knowledgeable about, that we're skilled in, um, that we maybe have natural abilities, maybe we're passionate about it. Whatever it is, we're experts in our own right. And when you're engaging with others on Twitter, the goal should always be to bring value to the conversation as an expert in your arena. If you want people to like, know, and trust you, you've got to bring to the table that which you have to offer. And by what you have to offer, I'm not saying the product you sell. I'm saying that which you can give freely, and that is of yourself. And so, you know, the expert crowd is is cultivated when you bring your expertise to social media. Uh, You know, Zig Ziglar once said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so having um, an attitude of abundance, of giving, and not being concerned with, well, if I give, what am I going to get back for this? Uh, this is why I do podcast interviews, for example, Doug. You know, we, we hadn't met before. You sent me an email. You asked, you know, hey, I would love to interview you, talk about your book. Um, and, and I like to say yes, even though I've got a busy schedule, as often as I can, because it gives me an opportunity to just give. Nobody's being paid for this. Not sure if a book or five are going to be sold as a result, but even there, selling books, there's not a lot of money in it. It's called goodwill. It's Mm -hmm. called recognizing that there's something that I have that I can use to hopefully make a difference in somebody's life. That's why I'm here. And that's why on social media, it's why, you know, it's why you're doing what you're doing. You're Mm -hmm. bringing value to the conversation through something that you're passionate about and you're introducing your audience to a variety of entrepreneurs and authors with uh, unique messages and something to say. And it's all about nobody's paying you to <laughs> create your podcast. Trust me, they're not. <laughs> no, I, and I know this. Yeah. I've done podcasts. Uh, it would be great if that did happen, but your passion behind I it is what's it. driving yeah. it. Yeah. And it, and it shows. And so if brands take that in individuals and big brands realize that I've got something to bring to the conversation as the expert, uh, then there's going to be a, uh, an audience of people that are hungry that want to hear that message. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, in the book, you talk about seven killer strategies to reaching critical mass on Twitter, and we don't need to go through all of them. But for instance, there was one on just how to be interesting. Could you could you maybe talk about one or two of the of the strategies to reaching critical mass? Because that was an interesting way of sort of setting goals for folks and saying, like, it's more than just sending out a tweet. It, it is. It's it's engaging. There's actually uh, you know, there's an article that I wrote on my blog a few years ago that still rings true, and I called it the fourteen 
types of tweets. I basically broke down the the kinds of tweets that I saw myself and others putting out there and mm -hmm. categorized them into 14 different little boxes. How do you be interesting? Well, when you're sharing articles and stories that are interesting to you, odds are there's going to be others that find those interesting. If you find a picture, maybe it's a quote, uh, it could be educational, it could be inspirational, could just be funny, could be a cat riding a piece of bacon through the universe. I've seen that one before and I've shared it before because I think it's funny because really the internet is about cats and bacon. We know that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, that's being interesting, asking compelling questions and being sincerely interested in the answers that people provide, or maybe seeing a question that somebody else asks that you believe you have a valuable answer to share. You know, being interesting is really sharing a piece of yourself. Uh, social media without you is not social. It's just another broadcast channel. And one of the fears that people have about Twitter and several of the other social sites is that people more and more will treat them as though it is a one-way channel for broadcast, mm -hmm. but it's not. It's not. And here's the thing about social. If you're not interesting, oh, your audience will tell you in one of two ways. They will either verbally tell you how uninteresting you are or, and that could be, that could be really brutal when a brand faces uh, the wrath of you know, the social media community mm -hmm. uh, because of something they said or did. Uh, you know, if, and if they messed up and they don't own up to it, boy, that can be really bad. But there's something that's even worse than being called out by the community. Do you know what that is? Being ignored? Being ignored. Exactly. If, if you find yourself sharing content and there's no response, then you've got a problem because something you've done has taken the social out of social media and your audience has said, we're bored with you <laughs> or we don't like you or we don't care about you. We're done with you. Unfollow, ignore, block, whatever it might be. That is the kiss of death. And now you've got to work that much harder to get attention to what you're doing than you did from the beginning. Mm -hmm. That brings to mind the uh, the meme of the stand-up comedian just not getting anywhere with the audience, and he finally starts tapping the mic saying, hello, is this, is this on? Is this on? <laughs> no reaction at all. Right. You talk about uh, Twitter as a branding tool, and I just wanted to touch on that uh, because there's a lot of marketers listening to the show. And the one quote from the book that made me laugh out loud more than some of the others was the following. Businesses that tweet like a corporate executive addressing a board meeting will stand out on the site and scream that they have no idea what they're doing or, <laughs> or whom they're talking to. Yeah. And then you go on to talk about the who cares test. Can you, can you explain what the who cares test is? It relates to PR and branding. Well, look, when somebody, especially companies that have a tendency to put out press releases. We'll use that as an example, which I didn't use in the book, but I just saw this the other day and it makes for a great case study. The press releases that announce so-and-so is now the COO of our company. Okay. Who cares? Well, I'm sure the company cares and the COO cares and probably the family of the new COO cares, but what compelling reason is there for the, the general public to give a rip 
this is not a news story. This it might be a press release that's put out just to pat somebody on the back, but it's not something that people are going to go, "Oh, we have to share this big news." Now, you know, let's let's face it, if it's a big name, you know, a known celebrity, a leading business expert that has taken a position with a company, then yeah, that could end up being news on TechCrunch or Mashable. But for the most part, that's the who cares. Things that companies think are important to them and they think that their their clients and their customers are going to value often are not the case. Telling a compelling story has to be the, the key word there is story. There's no story around some guy taking a new position. And often, there's not a story in the fact that you've got a new product. People aren't interested in your product. What they want to know is what is it that having your product is going to do to enhance, change, better, fix my life. It's about the benefits. And so you can avoid the who cares syndrome, which is a collective yawn from all of the internet, by telling stories that focus on the benefit for the reader. And this is really, this is nothing different than old school marketing. You know, you were a Madison Avenue guy, and I'm sure you've watched Mad Men and watched how these guys create and craft these oh, incredibly... Yeah. The 30-second com- commercial used to be uh, the center of my universe. Yeah. You have to create a compelling short story that, that takes people on a journey with a beginning, a middle, and an end. And, and that is just as important in social media, only most of the times you don't have 30 seconds. And on Twitter, you've got 140 characters. So what you have to say has to be interesting and cannot be who cares. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One other thing uh, I wanted to ask about was uh, the connection between Twitter and blogging and how Twitter helps blogs. Again, let's broaden the spectrum for all social media because I don't want to, uh, I, you know, it's just the yeah, downside. again. That's right. Yeah. Well, well and, and it's easy when you've got a guy who wrote the book called Twitter Power, right? Mm-hmm. It makes perfect sense. Uh, but what I don't want to do, what I, what I like to do is say yes and. Yeah. And, and here's the deal. Uh, unless you're a shareholder, you don't own Twitter or Facebook. And even if you are a shareholder, you don't really own them. You own a very, 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 very small piece mm-hmm. of it. And you really don't get to decide how it's, you know, how it operates or runs. And you don't have any say in how um, the social sites change your terms of service and what they will allow you to do, what they won't allow you to do. What you do have control over is your blog. Your blog is your home. Think, picture it that way. This is your domain, literally. It's your house. This is where you live. And social is a great way to get engagement with people and build a following and build an audience of people that are passionate about the same things you're passionate about and are interested in what you have to say. But ultimately, your goal should be to drive people to invite them to your home. So I'll often write a blog entry and then I'll tweet that I've written an article about, or I'll ask a compelling question, and then the link will drive people to the blog where they can get the answer to that question or find out more. Uh, But the goal is to move people to come to my place because now I control the conversation. You know, social media, uh, somebody posts something rude and obnoxious, you might be able to block that person, you might be able to hide the post, but you can manage comments. 
on your own blog. Mm-hmm. You don't have to deal with people that really aren't interested in doing business with you that just perhaps want to be abusive. Um, so picture your blog in the center of your world, your web page, whatever your site is, and then all, all around it on the periphery surrounding it are all the various social sites that are then leveraged to create engagement and drive traffic to your home, your mm-hmm. blog. Almost like a gravitational pull. Exactly. I like that. Joel, if readers took only one thing away from your book, what would you hope it would be? That they would buy it. <laughs> hey, Excellent. You, you asked. Uh, but as far as the content Let goes. Let me rephrase it. If readers took only <laughs> one concept. Oh, no, I know. Uh, I had to. That was you just pitched me a softball there. I did. Uh, I, I will rephrase that for every author henceforth. You know, I think that the key concept is the one that we discuss, which goes uh, into more depth. I think it's either chapter four or five. I can't recall offhand, but it's it's grasping this philosophy of social media and marketing and engagement. And because uh, if you get that, really get that, then it's going to impact all of your marketing all of your social media use. It's going to change the way you look at what you're doing and often how you're going about doing it. And uh, I would uh, say the odds are you will have more success across all sites by following these principles. Yeah, I would think the social media strategy then starts to fall in place. Right. Before we wrap up, let me ask you a couple of questions that are popular with the, the listeners. Are there any recent marketing books that you've read that you recommend? Uh, you know, let me take a look at my shelf and see what was recent because I've been so focused on my own writing uh, recently that um, that I haven't done a lot of reading, which, you know, is kind of interesting because usually that's what, uh, you know, that's what we do. You're not the first uh, author to say that. No, but as, <laughs> as I'm looking at the books here, I'm going to give you uh, two in particular, and, uh, and I'll give a, um, a full disclosure that I wrote the foreword for both of these books. But that tells you um, how much I believe in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is by a guy named Brian G. Johnson. And uh, it's a great marketing book called Trust Funnel. Uh, the, uh, the subtitle is Leverage Today's Online Currency to Grab Attention, Drive and Convert Traffic, and Live a Fabulously Wealthy Life. This is a guy who really understands about engagement and, uh, and creating value in his products and services. And uh, he's done really well with uh, his training and information products. And so Trust Funnel is one. The other one uh, I was privileged to write the foreword for is around authoring books. Um, As the author of over 40 eBooks and special reports and 12 traditionally published books, um, I'm a huge proponent of telling people that the, the single fastest way with the lowest hanging fruit, right, to get the greatest exposure is to write a, a, Printed book, not an ebook, but a traditionally published book because the amount of credibility that comes from having a book. And so the, uh, the book that I wrote the uh, forward for was called Mistakes Authors Make. And it's uh, Essential Steps for Achieving Success as an Author. It's by uh, three of my friends, Rick Frischman, who was actually the uh, publicity guy that was responsible for the initial campaign for Chicken Soup for the Soul, which uh, with a series that uh, Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield 
birthed, um, has sold over a billion copies to date. So Rick Frischman, uh, Brett Ridgway, and Brian Hain wrote this book. It's called Mistakes Authors Make, and uh, I recommend it for anybody that's thinking about writing their own book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. Are there any uh, marketing books that you're looking forward to seeing or, or reading? You know, there's so many that are always coming out. And honestly, if you saw my bookshelf, people are always sending me oh, right, um, right. New, new, new books. But I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, what's sitting on my nightstand. And it's been sitting there for, oh, about two years. And, uh, and I'm, I'm leaving it there because I'm not moving it until I actually dig in. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's Brene Brown's book called Daring Greatly. Uh, oh, yeah. and, and, uh, of course she got a lot of attention when she gave a, a Ted talk, um, a number of years ago. And, uh, this book hit number one in the New York times bestseller list. Uh, the subtitle is how the courage to be vulnerable transforms the way we live, love, parent, and lead. And, and I recommend that while it's not outright a business book, I'm a big believer in, um, personal development, life centered books, I think can have a greater impact on all areas of our life, including business, than many books that are just based on business strategies. Absolutely. And she's also just been announced uh, as a keynoter at the Inbound Conference next September. Yeah. And, and in fact, I'm really privileged uh, to say I'm going to be speaking there as well. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't realize that. I look forward to meeting you. You know, that's great. I, I, if you're going to be there, uh, they've, got, they've got a new stage this year. Um, the last year I spoke on two stages, they had a bold talk stage, right. which is a, um, a 12 minute talk similar. It's like their version of a Ted talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you can find, if you just search for Joel Com bold talk, you can find it. And it was a bold talk because I talked about a uh, personal transformation in my life and I gave an ignite talk, which is a five minute talk. Um, that actually began with O'Reilly and uh, publishing, and now they're global. Five-minute talks, and uh, their tagline is, enlighten us, but be brief. <laughs> you have 20 slides, and the slides auto-forward every 15 seconds. So it's a really challenging talk to give. But this year, they've got a new stage called uh, Hacks, Tips, and something else. I wish I could remember right offhand. And, uh, and I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to speak on yet, but I want to make, it might be a life hacking type of, uh, a session. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I'll look for, if you're going to be there in Boston, I'll look forward to meeting you. Yeah. I'll chase you down and we'll link up all those videos that you've, you've mentioned as well as all these books in the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. Sure. Joel, how can listeners find out more about you and your book? Well, uh, I'm like the most findable guy online because I'm the only person with my name, Joel Com. So my blog is joelcom.com. That's with two M's. Uh, but if they want to purchase the book, of course, they can get Twitter Power 3.0 at fine booksellers everywhere that sell fine books. But uh, if they purchase the book and go to twitterpower.com, uh, fill in their name, their email, and their order number. We've actually got a number of bonuses that they can instantly have access to that you can't get if you just go to the store and buy it. So I encourage people to go there as well and and uh, you know take a picture of yourself with the book, tweet me with it. I love seeing that, and I always reply to those and like to engage with people. So please, uh, if you heard me on the show, please say hello. It's true. He really does. I finished reading the book last weekend and got all excited and tweeted him. And sure enough, he was there, which is kind of exciting for me. Uh, Joel, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. My pleasure. 
And that closes the book on another episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. But don't let the end of this episode be the end of your learning. Visit marketingbookpodcast.com for show notes, free resources, and guides. And be sure to join the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. Till next time. Oh,